You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Uh, this morning is, is a message. I, I'm preaching a text in 2 Timothy 2.2. It's a text that I've used before three years ago from up here, but it's not the same sermon, so don't worry about that. But it is the same text. And so I want you to know, if you write, I know some people, I was at a previous church, and they would always, whenever the pastor preached, they always put the date on it. And that's very precious and very unique. But at this church, the pastor rotated every year, and so he had been there for 10 years, so it was 10 years of the same date of that same text. But I promise you this morning that that will not be the case. That this is a different sermon, and I am, this morning, my goal is to really preach to you two points. I know in your bulletin there's three points, but the first point is not really a sermon point. It's just a point that I really want to, to just kind of talk about for just five minutes or so. And the first thing is understanding teenagers. Understanding teenagers. Now, you know, I have, I've been serving for 15 years in student ministry. I've had the opportunity to invest and to, to love and to minister and to encourage students. But I wanted you to know who our teenagers are and who are the students who sit before us today as graduates and within our ministry. And so here is just a few. I'm a stats guy. I love looking at different stats. So I'm just going to lay everything out there for you, have a brief conversation, and then we'll get into the message. So Generation Z sits before you today. Generation Z. That's why you saw the big sign at the beginning of my sermon, Generation Z. This generation wants to ask questions and no one, that no one else wants to be asking. They're pushing the envelope, you could say, in some ways, because they're asking tough questions that some of us don't want to answer or don't want to ask. They're not shy is what I'm getting at. They're born between 1995 to 2010. They have a tension span that is the shortest in American history. Their tension span is so short. But they will respond to a text message or a DM, a direct message, immediately, immediately, so just know that, that they will respond, unless it's from their parents, no, I'm just joking, um, they'll respond to a text or, in particular, a DM, a direct message, immediately. They are known as self-starters. They aren't worried about the future because they're more worried about the present where we are right now. They grew up in a, in a, in a society or a life that's really post-2008. They lived in a, in a place where they've never known some of the things that we've known, but they've also known technology to be at their fingertips. And they've seen family members lose jobs back in 2008. They've seen struggles. They're not worried about what the future has in store because the present right now has enough issues for them to be worried about. That's why you're seeing issues being discussed in your schools. That's why issues are being discussed in our society today because they're asking tough questions that no one else wants to ask or talk about. 
I was, I've stood up here, two years ago I stood up here and I said that 60%, there's a, this, the stat at that time was 60% of students when they leave the Christian church, they, when they leave graduation, that 60%, somewhere between 60-80%, after graduating high school, those who were a part of a church would leave and were no longer a part of a church, a Christian church, once they leave the church. When they get to college, they would depart. Last year, I said, we're starting to see stats. are starting to say they're actually beginning to leave in junior, senior year of high school. If we don't, if we don't help connect them now, then they're probably going to fade off and fall off. Well, this past November, a new stat came out, and here's what it says. And I'm, I'm just, this is at a Fuller Youth Institute, so there is a lot of people doing this research. So just bear with me on this. Because this is really hard for me to take in also. 60%, the 60% that we've been talking about for the last three years, they are being secularized, being, being made to follow the world at home before they're even sent to college by well-meaning Christian parents. Let me read that again. 60% are being secularized at home before they're sent off to college by well-meaning Christian parents. I'm seeing this play out all across America from different student pastors I talk to. I'm reading different things come in of, of, of just this, this, here's what I'm hearing, just so that, not, and this is not from Ebenezer, this is from all across America, from different youth pastors, different opportunities I've had to talk to people. Here's what I'm hearing. I'm afraid, this is parents, I'm afraid that if I push my student or my child to go to church, that they are, it's going to cause them to be mad at the church or God, that they, they'll push them away from God later on when they get to college. And I'm on the parent side, I promise you. I'm, I, you'll see in a few minutes, I'm literally on your side, parents. But let me tell you this. And I say this in love, that it is the responsibility of a parent to be over the spiritual health of their student until some say they get married, some say until they graduate college, but it's not at the end of high school. It goes through college, and I, I'm honestly okay with saying marriage until they get married, but in particular, I am, I am, hear me loud and clear, I am saying you are over your child's spiritual health until they at least graduate college. And so that may mean that, hey, yes, Susie may have to get up to come to church because we want Susie to be part of the church 10 years down the road. And these are students who I'm telling you right now, they were, these, these, all, all these stats are coming in. They're not going to leave the church. They're going to stay in the church because we made church a number one priority in their life. Okay, that's not even my sermon, so I need to calm down. All right. Mm, 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 mm. All right. Your son and daughter need to make church a necessity in their life. Here's just, I'm going to sum up the data for you right now. This is what's true about the data. Half-hearted obedience to Jesus Christ in this generation leads to full rebellion against him in the next generation. 
Let me repeat that again. This is what's true about the data. Half-hearted obedience to Jesus Christ in this generation leads to full rebellion in the next generation. So right now, we have responsibility as a church and as parents to make sure that we are helping our students, helping our teenagers, helping our graduates walk in Christ so it does not lead to full rebellion in the next generation. I put this in my notes. I know I just said this to you, but pressuring your kid to come to church and making them come doesn't cause them to, to leave the church. It leads them to getting connected in the church. Now, as I said, I'm on the parent side, so I have, I have two books I brought with me this morning up here. The first one is, this is more of a, this is not a, the author is a Christian, but this is not like a, if you're going with like, hey, I want a good Christian book, this is probably like with Bible verses and all, this is probably not the one you're going to go to. But if, this book right here is called The Grown-Up's Guide to Teenage Humans. Funny title. I can tell you right now, this book right here, as a student pastor, I've been talking about this book for six months in, in different uh, places. This book has changed me as a pastor. It, it, for parents, I highly, highly recommend this book. It literally talks about what happens in a student's life between 10 to 12 years old and 12 to 14. It talks about every little thing, the battles they face in their lives that they're probably not going to talk to you about, but this gives you an insight into a teenage human mind, which is a scary place to be. All right. Uh, the next one, if you want a Christian book, like, hey, I want a really good Christian book that to, to understand my teenager or to understand, hey, I'm not, I don't have a teenager, but I just want to understand our students better so I can relate to them better, Meet Generation Z by James Emery White. This is a good, amazing, amazing book on just applying God's word and how to understand and what really these teenagers that sit before you today, what's really going on in their lives. Great Christian author, a great, he wrote a book about, uh, about the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. James Emery White is phenomenal, phenomenal. All right, enough about that. I would say this to you, that our students who sit here get to know them. Get to know our students in our church. Graduates, be who God created you to be. You live in a time where technology is the most advanced, but make sure you allow yourself to be real with people. Make sure you allow yourself to be real with people, that you don't stay behind your technology. Brian, we're going to skip that next slide and get to point number two. Point number two, faithfulness leads to multiplication. Faithfulness leads to multiplication. Let me read 2 Timothy 2.2. I know some of us may have it memorized or know it pretty well. We've heard it many different times. But here's what it says. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I'm going to start verse 1, actually. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And here's the passage. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What does this have to do with our teenagers? Everything. This passage has everything to do with our teenagers and with this church. Let me talk about discipleship. What is discipleship? 
Discipleship is relational. It's helping to mature Christians. We look at 2 Timothy 2.2, and it is clearly talking about discipleship. It's clearly talking about evangelism, mentoring, however you want to phrase that. We have four generations mentioned. Number one is Paul. We see that back in 1 Timothy as he writes to, to Timothy there. It, he, Paul is generation one. He's a believer. He comes to Christ. Generation two is Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.2. Generation three, we see faithful men. We see that in more in 2 Timothy 4. And then generation four is teaching others. So generation one is Paul. Generation two is Timothy. Generation three is faithful men. And generation four is teaching others. You see, so what, what Paul is saying here to Timothy is, hey, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust the faithful men. What has he heard? He's heard the gospel message. He's heard the, the moment of where they sit down and there's relationships being built. That moment of helping him to mature and to grow in his Christian walk. What you have heard from me, Timothy, I want you to go and entrust the faithful men who will then go and teach others also. You see, we have in front of us teenagers, students, they need us as a church more than ever right now. And I, I think about, the, I call it the 222 principle, 2 Timothy 2 2, the 222 principle. It's part of our student ministry's DNA. We take this passage to, to literally bring it to life. You know, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna call on some people, it's gonna have them come up here, but for time's sake, I'm just going to. Just mention them and you know what? I'm actually gonna have you guys come up. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna just as just I'm gonna ask Noah Kelly, Craig Spell, and Logan Allison just come up front for just a second. Look, I this all started at a 6:30 a.m. Bible study at Chick-fil-A a few years ago. And we had it was TJ Milby who invited Noah Kelly to be part of this Bible study. And so what happened was this, is that I invested in T.J. Milby. T.J. Milby and I both invested in Noah. Correct? Good, thank you. Let's keep this thing going well. All right, good. And so what happened is, is Noah would come at, at 6.30, 7 a.m. to a Bible study. Well, late sometimes. All right. And so we'd have a Bible study there, and we would dive into God's Word, and we would literally work through a text, and then we would then, the challenge was, hey, to bring someone else alongside of you. Correct, Noah? Okay. Good. And then, so who'd you bring beside you? You brought Craig Spell. And so Craig then came along, and it led to, to, to Craig having this huge moment at Winter Conference, and then having Noah and these others come beside him and help grow him and mature him in his faith, which then led to Craig investing in Logan Allison. Isn't that amazing? Now, out of respect, and respect for, for Noah, who said, I've also invested in Logan Allison. They both have. And so, but then I was joking around Logan. I talked to Logan the other day, and he said, yes, they've helped me become a better basketball player. 
But I'm more talking more about Christian faith, but thank you guys for coming up here. And so I wanted you to see four generations. Uh, they asked me not to bring them up front, but I did it anyway. But I want you to see that because what happens is, is that, that now what's, what you see as teaching to others is beginning to happen as they're beginning to pour into Logan. As they're starting, I mean, they're just starting this process. And so I'm excited because we're seeing the 222 principle come to life right here in our church. But guess what? That, that same principle can be applied by any of us in here. Because we have this moment to allow discipleship to be life-changing. Because discipleship is not only life-changing, but it leads to spiritual growth. Discipleship is biblical, discipleship is personal, and discipleship is relational. We as a church, I, you've heard me say this so many times. I, I'm so important, I think it's so important, discipleship is vital to us as a church. But we have, we have students as I stated, who sit before us with the shortest attention span in American history, yes, but they are also self-starters. They, are, are, they, are, they want someone to be real with them. They don't want fake people. They don't want people just sharing something and not doing anything about it. They want someone to be real and to be literally investing in them. This is where we sit right now. And I want to challenge you to invest in our students. Invest in church members. Invest in college students. Invest in your Sunday school class. Allow that moment to be where we can build relationships, but also lead to life-changing spiritual growth for believers. Our students and graduates... If I was to ask them this question today, how many of you want to be part of a discipleship relationship? I believe that every hand would go up. Why? Because they value friendships and they value people being real with them. And they want someone to help them to grow in the Christian walk. Point number three, as I begin to tie this all together, Mentoring and discipling are pivotal to the future of the church. The mentoring and discipling are pivotal to the, to the future of the church. The 2-2-2 principle, spiritual mentoring. We see this throughout the Bible. Timothy and Paul, Mark and Barnabas, Joshua and, had Moses, Elijah, Elisha had Elijah. I, I, I'm going to... This is a, a tough question, but if the church doesn't disciple our graduates and our students, who will? If the church does not disciple our students and our graduates, who will? The world? Society? Their college? Their high school teacher? 
Who will disciple and mentor our students if the church doesn't do it? The world cannot be the one raising, mentoring, and telling our students how to live. It can't happen. I've asked this to you before as a congregation, but who helped you grow spiritually? Who invested in you? I have a guy named Brian Cody that invested in me. I had a guy named Brent Roberts that poured into me. One was a student pastor and one was my Sunday school teacher. They poured into me. They literally poured into me for two years and said, now go, you do it. We'll be here with you and we'll guide you and we'll help you through this process. But now you go and you invest in someone else. And that, that, that led to while I was there to seeing new believers, to seeing current believers grow in their faith. Because someone helped me grow spiritually, I was able to help others grow spiritually. It is the church's responsibility to grow believers within the church. Now, I know that I'm the student pastor, and I know I'm really talking about our students this morning, but I'm also talking about the whole church. We as a church have a responsibility to help grow and mentor other believers to help them to grow in their Christian walk. We have a responsibility to do that. And you can say, well, we do that in Sunday school. That's great, and I'm glad, and I hope that continues. But it must also leave the church building and go out into our neighborhoods and communities. It must. The world must know Christ and grow in Christ. What have you done with sharing and helping mature other believers? What have you done with sharing and helping mature other believers? The future of the church begins today. Our students are not just the future of Ebenezer Baptist Church. They are the current church. And we have a responsibility as a church to raise up our students spiritually. This next statement may not sit well, but I, I feel like I have to share this. I personally think we will be held accountable with how we raise our students within the local church context. I personally think that we will be held accountable with how we raise our students within the local church context. Let me read this text again and bring this all home for us. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, Paul is talking to Timothy here, and he's, he goes on and says, share in the suffering as a good soldier. And we can go through that text, but, but at the end of the day, the, our commander-in-chief has never changed. Our commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ. And he has called us as a church to mentor, disciple other believers and help them to grow. We were never called to lead someone to Christ and turn our back on them and never do anything to help them grow. We were told to, to what? <laughs> to make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. That's our responsibility, to make disciples, not converts, but disciples. That's our responsibility. 
And so for me, this is a personal for me. And it's personal because I want to see all of our students grow spiritually in Christ. And it's a tough job. It's inconvenient sometimes. 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. at Chick-fil-A. Even though it's Chick-fil-A and it's God's house. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I should have never said that. Because I know this is God's house. I'm sorry for that joke. Um, but it's, yeah, all right. It's holy. Um, chicken. But where we are, it's, it's, it's sometimes it is inconvenient. It's not, it's not on our time schedule. And sometimes tough questions will be asked of us. But it is our responsibility as a church to raise up believers and disciples who will then in return go and make another generation of believers and disciples and help them to continue to mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm, I'm standing before you as a student pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, and I'm, I am pleading on behalf of our students. I am pleading on behalf of our church and saying it's time for us to invest. It's time for us to disciple. It's time for us to mature our fellow believers in our student ministry and within our church. It's time. We must help others grow in their Christian walk. We must. Selfishly, in particular, our students need you. More than ever, do our students need you to grow them and help them become godly men and godly women of God. It's time to begin investing in others and helping their Christian walk go after Christ with all they have. Let's pray. God, you are a God that is in control of all things. And God, you are a God that is amazing and a God that, who is in control of our lives. And Lord, we pray right now, Lord, we literally come before you right now and we pray over our church. We pray over Ebenezer right now, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that you will, as our congregation is sitting here right now, Lord, that you will begin, Lord, to speak into some lives, some of our members' lives, Lord, that you'll speak into them right now. And, and Lord, Put a desire on their heart, Lord, to invest in someone, Lord. Give them a name, Lord, of someone to invest in, someone to pour into. Lord, it could be someone in their Sunday school class. Lord, it could be someone, Lord, that is in our student ministry. Lord, it could be someone who is a neighbor or whatever, Lord. But I pray now, Lord, that you will give each of us a name, Lord, of who we need to be investing in and pouring into. Lord, I pray now, Lord, that, that we will be faithful to you and that we will teach others your word. Lord, we will be not focused on just the decision to follow you, but also the decision to grow in you. And so, Father, I pray over our church. I pray over our students. Lord, I pray now, Lord, may we be a church that is helping shape the next generation of believers. May we be a generation of a church where revival, restoration, renewal will come from. 
Lord, I pray right now, Lord, in this time of invitation, Lord, that, Father, that you will just, maybe you have an adult come up and grab a student by the shoulder and say, hey, can I go pray for you? Well, this may be a moment, Lord, where you speak to a parent and say, hey, let's just pray over our student right now. Lord, it could be a moment, Lord, where you only know what could happen in this moment. But Father, I pray right now, Lord, in this time of invitation, may we be faithful to respond to you and what you're putting on our heart and our mind. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would just use this moment of invitation in only the way you can. Thank you, Lord, for this moment to open up your word. And I pray right now, Lord, just speak to each of our hearts and our minds right now. Praise your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.